Hello! Hi! Welcome back to Sinister Sisters. I am Shrimp. Yeah. And this is Cat. Cat. And today is Shoe Crime Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. And um, I just got back from a dance class, so I'm in a bopping mood. And it's about to be ruined. It's about to be over. <laughs> because today we are talking about Fred and Rosemary West. Yes. Which I believe you have heard of before, right? I have, yeah. I think I might have watched a documentary about it maybe at one time. But, yeah. It's pretty well known. We tried to get, yeah. well, I half-heartedly tried to get Sinister Mom on this episode because she can actually <laughs> remember it happening. Yeah. Um, and, like, the tea about it. but. Well, not really the tea, but just like was alive and vibing over in England when this was happening. So yeah. it's yeah. like a first hand, but she said not no. Really. Like a third hand. <laughs> well, like first hand, her first hand experience of knowing that that was happening. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, she didn't want to be on the episode? No. Mom. Mom. Why? I don't know. I think she felt silly. That's fair. We felt silly the first time too. Remember oh yeah. When we had to try to record the trailer the first time. We laughed Very for like awkward. 75 <laughs> minutes. Probably at least 75 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Follow us on Instagram at sinistersisters.podcast. Follow us on TikTok at Sinister Sisters Podcast. Follow us on YouTube at Sinister Sisters Podcast. And email us at SinisterSistersPod at gmail.com. It's the speed run. Because you know by now. We also have case request forms in uh, YouTube video descriptions, in audio version descriptions, and in the Instagram bio. It would be really nice if it was like the Instagram description because then it could be like in all yeah. the areas. Yeah, in all yeah. the descriptions. Anyways, I mean, Instagram kind of a description. Change your model because I hate it. Yeah. I actually have a personal vendetta against Instagram, but that is not, you know, we don't <laughs> That's care. That's a story for another day. Yeah. When um, we hit a billion subscribers, we'll tell you about our tea <laughs> with Instagram. <laughs> it's literally not even interesting, but Okay. Well, never mind then. The content yeah. warnings for this episode. Um, I should say that this episode is kind of like quite heavy it's also very mm -hmm. long so if you feel like you need to skip this one or like take a break or whatever do yeah yeah do you know what we're talking about in your episode this week yeah well sunday is new year's day so nice. we're doing uh like a 2022 roundup of positive things so oh that's good so that'll definitely be... be lighter this week yes very light very cool. fun that'll excellent our content warnings are sexual assault, incest, rape, murder, suicide, and domestic violence. So please keep those in mind when you decide how or when you're going to consume this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Frederick Walter Stephen West was born on the 29th of September in 1951 at Bickerton Cottage in Much Markle, Herefordshire, to Walter Stephen West and Daisy Hannah Hill. Fred was from a poor family of farm workers, and his family was said to be close-knit and very protective. His father did the discipline, and his mother was overprotective. I should talk about the, like, 
the syntax of this episode. Um, mm. There's a lot of information about Fred, not so much about Rosemary. And Rosemary comes into Fred's life much later than okay. his ickiness starts. So we're mostly talking about Fred for the first, like, quite a bit. And then when Rose enters his life, that's when we start talking about him. Uh, so okay. I haven't forgotten okay. about her. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Okay. Thank you. It- In 1946, the West family moved to Moorcourt Cottage, which was a semi-detached building adjacent to Moorcourt Farm, where Fred's father worked as a milking herdsman and harvest hand. Hmm. The home had no electricity and was heated by a log fire, but by 1951, Fred's mother had given birth to seven children, five of whom survived, bringing the total number to six. Six kids. Jeez. The West children were expected to do many chores and all did seasonal work. The girls picked hops and strawberries while the boys harvested wheat and hunted rabbits. There was an even number, so three girls, three boys. Okay, okay. Which is, it's satisfying to me. (laughs) (laughs) This necessity to work and to earn a living to survive is said to have instilled a strong work ethic in Fred, although he did develop a lifelong habit of petty theft. So... Uh. I don't know how those two, like, go together. He works hard, but at stealing. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I mean, I think if you're raised in a situation where you don't have a lot and you can't have a lot, like, there isn't, you know, there isn't much prospect for ever making more, you mm. would steal, you know, just yeah. especially things that maybe are necessities. Yeah. Classmates of Fred's recall him as scruffy, dim, lethargic, and regularly in trouble. He was barely—he was barely literate, yet displayed an aptitude for woodwork and artwork. He left school at fifteen and worked as a labourer at Moorcourt Farm with his father. So in England, mm. and I think this—I think it's the same in like other places in the United Kingdom. You can leave school at 16. So leaving school at 15 is not like the it's not the same as it is in North America. Yeah. It you're it's more like it's still early, but it's not as early. You're like basically done instead of yeah. just started. Fred later claimed that he had been introduced to sex by his mother at twelve, that he engaged that he had engaged in acts of bestiality with animals oh. in his early teens. And that his belief that incest was normal stemmed from his father's incest with Fred's sisters. Fred's youngest brother, Doug, however, dismissed these claims as fantasy. So we don't really know much about Fred's, like, family dynamics. Because it was, like, the 50s. Right. So. Hmm. Yeah. Either Um, way. Growing up into adulthood, Fred aggressively pestered women and girls who he saw as sources of pleasure that were to be used as he saw fit. Mm. At the age of 17, Fred suffered a fractured skull, a broken arm, and a broken leg in a motorcycle accident and was unconscious for seven days. He apparently developed a fear of hospitals after this and was prone to fits of rage. Two years later... He suffered another head injury when a girl he groped on a fire escape punched him, sent him sending him falling down two floors. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, man. 
In June 1961, Fred's 13-year-old sister Kitty told her mother that Fred had been raping her since the previous December and had impregnated her. Arrested the same month, Fred freely admitted to police he had been molesting young girls since his early teens and asked, quote, doesn't everybody do it? He was tried on the 9th of November at Herefordshire Assize. I don't know what that word is. Like, the, the court, I guess. Though disgusted by her son's actions, Fred's mother had been prepared to testify in his defense. Immediately prior to her scheduled testimony, Kitty changed her mind and refused to testify, and the case collapsed. Oh, Much shit. of Fred's family effectively disowned him, his mother banished him from the household, and he moved into his aunt's house, hmm. and his aunt was called Violet. By mid-1962, he had reconciled with his parents, but his relationship with most of his other family members had remained fraught. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. I wouldn't have blamed the parents if they never really looked at him again. Yeah, No, me neither. Um, Fred became reacquainted with a Catherine Bernadette Costello, who went by the name Rena, in September 1962 when he was 21. He had first met her, who came from Coatbridge, Lanarkshire, in Scotland, um, at a dance hall in 1960. He dated her for several months before she returned to Scotland. She was pregnant by an Asian bus driver at the time of her marriage to Fred, marriage to Fred, and may have relocated from Glasgow to England due to members of her family expressing their displeasure at her being pregnant with a mixed-race child. Remember, this was the 1960s, and they had some pretty weird ideas back then. They did. Pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah. She married Fred in Ledbury on the 17th of November, the sole guest being Fred's younger brother, John. The couple Mm -hmm. initially lived in Fred's aunt's home, then moved to Coatbridge, where Fred worked as an ice cream van driver. Rena's daughter, Charmaine, was born in March 1963, and to explain the child's mixed ancestry... Rena and Fred claimed that she had suffered a miscarriage and that Charmaine was adopted. Shortly thereafter, the couple relocated to Savoy Street in the Bridgeton district of Glasgow. So they live in Scotland now. Okay. In July of 1964, Rena bore Fred a daughter who they called Anna Marie. The child was born at their home. And the family's nanny, whose name is Isla McNeil, which you should remember because she comes up again, Okay. And neighbors of the Wests recalled Rena as a considerate mother struggling to bring up two children, and that Fred would often treat the children harshly. He kept the girls in the bottom of a bunk bed with bars fitted to the space between the bunks, effectively caging them, and they were only allowed out when he was at work. You have to question sometimes people like why they have children, and yeah. Fred Re- Fred West is someone that like. You didn't have to have kids, right? Like, you could have just yeah. not. And then, because clearly he hated them. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Um, Fred had many affairs in the early years of the marriage, and when Catherine found out, she began an affair with a man named John McLaughlin. McLaughlin and Fred got into fights a lot, with John mm-hmm. beating Fred when Fred would beat Rena and Charmaine. A vigilante. We love John McLaughlin. 
On the 4th of November in 1965, Fred accidentally ran over and killed a small boy in Glasgow with his van. He was cleared of any wrongdoing by police, but feared the hostile reaction and potential reprisals by for the accident from the locals, whom he relied upon to make his living because he owned an ice cream van. So yeah. they, and they he, yeah, he had to yeah. buy, he had to sell his ice cream to them. In December, he turned, returned to Gloucester with Charmaine and Anna Marie, renting a caravan at the Timberland Caravan Park in Bishop's Cleeve. Rena joined him in February 1966. The family also had two other people living with them, one being a nanny called Isla McNeil, and the other being a family friend called Anne McFall, who was 16. They must have been, he must have been making bank with his ice cream truck if they could have a live-in nanny. That's just a random observation, but. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe ice cream is a (laughs) a big business, yeah. Uh. Fred became increasingly violent and controlling of the three women. He began physically abusing the youngest two daughters as well. Is said to have begun sexually abusing Charmaine and to have encouraged Rena to turn to prostitution to supplement their income. At this time, he was no longer doing the um, ice cream van. He was Mm. working as a semi-driver for an abattoir. An abattoir is a slaughterhouse, if you don't know. Yeah. To escape Fred's domestic abuse and increasingly sadistic sexual demands, Rena phoned John McLaughlin, begging him to rescue her, McNeil, and her children. Together, McLaughlin, Rena, and McNeil devised a plan, McNeil being the nanny. He and Isla's boyfriend, John Trotter, would secretly drive to Bishop's Cleeve in McLaughlin's Mini and discreetly take Rena, her children, and McNeil back to Scotland because they were in wow. England again at this point. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really funny that um, they specified that he drove a Mini. <laughs> and I yeah. think it's probably because this is like six people that they're going to stuff in this thing. Yeah, and it's not that discreet. No, I personally have a Mini Cooper and I couldn't imagine having... <laughs> six people in it <laughs> yeah. like two is kind of tight you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um by this time though Anne McFall who was a 16 year old who was living with them had become infatuated with Fred who had promised to marry mm-hmm. her it is likely that she informed Fred of the plan as he arrived at the meeting time time and Anne was oddly calm as she informed Isla she intended to remain with Fred to work as the children's nanny An altercation ensued between Fred and McLaughlin, resulting in Fred being struck several times as he clutched onto Charmaine and Anna Marie. Police were called and McLaughlin, Trotter, Isla, and Rena left, with Fred threatening to kill Rena should he ever see her again. Rena would pop in and see the children. So he didn't follow through on that threat because Rena would pop in and see the children often Hmm. and began to resent the fact that Anne and Fred were living together, and Anne had become a motherly figure to Rena's daughters, because they stayed with him. Rena That's did not take weird. the kids. And one of yeah. them wasn't his kid either, right? The only yeah. one? Yeah. That's Absolutely very strange. Not. He had adopted her. But... Oh, okay. okay. In July of 1967, Anne, who was age 18 at the time, was eight months pregnant with Fred's child, and she vanished. She was never reported missing, 
but her dismembered remains were found buried at the edge of a cornfield in June in 1994, so years still later. Her limbs had been carefully disarticulated and many small bones were missing from her body, likely to have been remained retained sorry, as keepsakes. Her unborn child may also have been cut from her womb. Disarticulation means taking the bones apart at the joint. Not easy by all accounts. No, no. Fred initially denied that he had killed Anne, but confided to one visitor following his arrest that he had stabbed her to death following an argument. This explanation is inconsistent with the fact that her wrists were found with sections of her dressing gown or her housecoat cord wrapped around them, suggesting that she had been restrained prior to her murder. The following month, Rena returned to live with Fred and their relationship initially improved. But Rena, yeah. But we don't judge because... Of course. But like, that's intense. She had some stuff, yeah. Yeah. She left again the following year, but left the kids again with Fred. On these occasions when Fred had no woman to supervise and care for the girls, he temporarily placed them in the care of the Gloucestershire social services which i didn't know you could do i didn't know you could like temporarily be like have my kids because i don't have a wife to look after them yeah usually it would be in like a respite sort of situation but yeah yeah anyways fred first encountered rosemary letts in early 1969 which was shortly after her 15th birthday the pair first met while waiting for the same bus in Cheltenham. Initially, Rose was repulsed by Fred's unkept appearance and deducted he was a tramp, but she quickly became flattered by the attention Fred continued to lavish on her over the following days as he invariably Mm. sat alongside her at the same bus stop. By tramp, that doesn't mean, like, a a hoe. It means, like, a vagrant or... Like an unhomeless person. person. Yes. Yeah. So Amen. Rosemary Letts was born in Northam Devon on November 29th, 1953, to William Andrew Letts, who went by Bill, and Daisy Gwendolyn Fuller after a difficult pregnancy. Oh. She was the fifth of seven children born into a very poor family. Hmm. Rose's mother suffered from depression and was given electroconvulsive therapy while she was pregnant. And some have argued that this treatment may have caused prenatal development injuries to Rose. She grew up into a moody and precocious teenager, prone to daydreaming and performing poorly at school. Part of the reason why we don't really know much about Rosemary's childhood is the fact that she was involved with this man from the time she was 15. Yeah. So we don't know much about her aside from what they did together because she was a kid, really. like. Yeah. After their first meeting, though, Fred worked really hard to woo Rosemary. He found out that she was apparently an overly promiscuous person, overtly promiscuous person. I don't know what that means or how that was um, decided, but that was in the article that I read, so. Yeah. Whatever. He also made her feel bad for him by telling her that he was abandoned by his wife and that she had left the kids, and that he wanted more kids, and he was the struggling dad doing the shit by himself. Rose began a relationship with Fred, 
and she became a frequent visitor at the Lake House Caravan Park and a willing childminder or nanny to Charmaine and Anna Marie, whom she noted were neglected and whom she initially treated with care and affection. On several Mm. occasions in the early days of their courtship, Rose insisted she and Fred take the girls on excursions to gather wildflowers. Mm. Within weeks of her first meeting Fred, Rose left her job at the bread shop in order to become the nanny to Charmaine and Anna Marie. This decision was made with the agreement that Fred would provide her with sufficient money to give her parents on Fridays to convince them she was still obtaining a salary at the bread shop. So, she's already hiding things from her parents. Yeah. But once Rose's parents did meet Fred, they forbade their daughter from continuing to date him. But she defied their wishes, prompting them to visit Gloucestershire Social Services to explain that their 15-year-old daughter was dating an older man and that they had heard rumours that she had begun to engage in prostitution at his caravan. In response, Rose was placed in a home for troubled teenagers in Cheltenham in August 1969 and only allowed to leave under controlled conditions. And when she was allowed, well, she was allowed to return home and visit her parents at weekends, but she almost always took the opportunity to visit Fred. She was 15. She was 15 when this was happening to her. And he was like 30-something, I think. 20-something at least. That's gross. Yep. And when she turned 16, she left home. She left the home for troubled teenagers and eventually found out that she was pregnant. There is some speculation that Rose's own father was sexually assaulting her and that the baby could have been his, but this has never been proven. And the daughter was born in October, October 17th, 1970, just after the family moved into the ground floor apartment in Gloucester. According to Anna Marie, which was um, the second oldest child in the house, she and Charmaine were frequently subjected to criticism, beatings, and other forms of punishment through the times they lived under Rose's care at Midland Road. Though Anna Marie was generally submissive and prone to display emotion in response to the physical and mental hardships that she and her sister endured, Charmaine repeatedly infuriated Rose by her stoic refusal to either cry or display any sign of grief or servitude, no matter how severely she was physically punished. According to Anna Marie, Charmaine would often talk about how she believed her mummy would come and save her. Which is so sad. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby. Yeah. Rose is believed to have killed Charmaine shortly before Fred's prison release, date of 24th of June, 1971. He was in prison for theft at this point, I believe. She is known to have taken Charmaine, Anna Marie, and Heather, which is their third, the youngest daughter, Rose's only child, like biological yeah. child right now, yeah. um, to visit Fred on the 15th of June and it is believed to be on or very shortly after this date that Charmaine was murdered. Rose explained Charmaine's disappearance to others who inquired about her whereabouts by claiming that Rena had taken her eldest daughter to live with her in Bristol, but informed staff at Charmaine's primary school that the child had moved with her mother to London. So, Charmaine's body was initially stowed in the coal cellar of Midland Road until Fred was released from prison. He later buried her body in the yard close to the back door of their apartment and remained adamant that he had not dismembered her. Several bones, particularly finger, wrist, toe, and ankle bones, were missing from her skeleton, leading to the speculation that missing part that the missing parts had been retained as keepsakes, which is the same bones that were missing from Anne McFall's remains when they were found. Yeah. 
yeah, it's a distinctive discovery in all of the autopsies of the victims exhumed in 1994. Um, Rena maintained sporadic contact with her children on each occasion she and Fred separated. She was also known to have visited Moore Court Cottage to inquire as of her children's whereabouts and welfare in the latter half, the latter half, sorry, of August 1971. Fred's sister-in-law, Christine, later recollected Rena was depressed and extremely anxious about her children's welfare. Being provided with Fred's new Midland Road address, Rena sought to confront him, likely to discuss or demand custody of her daughters. This was the last time that Rena was ever seen alive. She is believed to have been murdered by strangulation, possibly in the backseat of Fred's car. When her body was discovered, a short length of metal tubing was found with her remains, leading to the possibility that she had been restrained and subjected to sexual assault prior to her murder. Rena's body was extensively dismembered, placed into plastic bags, and buried close to a cluster of trees known as Yew Tree Coppice Letterbox Field, about a mile from Much Markle. Yes. Overall, there are 12 victims that are attributed to Fred and Rose. Anne McFall, who is 18. Mm-hmm. Mary Castholm, who's 15. Charmaine West, who is 8. Catherine Rena Costello, who's 27. Linda Goff, who was 19, Caroline Copper, who was 15, Lucy Partington, who was 21, Therese Siegenthaler, who was 21, Shirley Hubbard, who was 15, Juanita Mott, who was 18, Shirley Robinson, who was also 18, Alison Chambers, who was 16, and Heather West, who was also 16. So Heather, who was Fred and Rose's daughter, was likely to have been murdered because Fred and Rose considered her efforts to leave the household as a threat. She divulged to her classmates the extensive physical and sexual abuse which occurred at their new apartment in Cromwell Street. Fred claimed that he had not attended to kill his daughter, but carpet fibres found on two lengths of rope, discovered with her remains, suggested that she had been restrained and subjected to a sexual assault prior to her murder. Her body was dismembered with a heavy serrated knife, and later buried in a hole in the garden which Fred had had his son dig under the pretense of installing a fish pond. So, the pair were arrested when their 11-year-old daughter Louise confided in her school friend that her father had been raping her and filming it. The friend told her own mother, who then informed the police. Originally, Fred was charged with three counts of rape and a count of sodomy with Rose as an accomplice. Rose was charged with child cruelty, inciting her husband to rape a child and obstructing the police. Fred denied all wrongdoing, which prompted Anna Marie to give her own false statement to the police. Louise, who was 11 at the time, refused to testify and Anna Marie also pulled out because Louise didn't want to. Um, the couple, like, the charges were dropped. The children remained in foster care, though. Meanwhile, police continued investigating the disappearance of Heather, noting no records existing that she was still alive. Um, when Anna Marie was questioned as to the colloquial family joke regarding Heather being buried beneath the patio, she confirmed that the sole time she had heard her father recite his claim he had immediately burst into laughter, leading to her refusing to take this claim seriously. The police were granted another search warrant. 
after some more investigation, which was presented to Rose, who apparently went pale. The police searched the backyard, and Fred indicated his wish to be arrested for Heather's murder and was taken to the police station and formally charged. It was the following evening of February 25th that all of the remains were found in their garden. And this was 1994, you said? Yeah. Fred and Rose were brought before a magistrate's court in Gloucester on 30th of June in 1994. He was charged with 12 murders and she with nine. So they were being held, remanded, and Freddie Boy was under a suicide watch. That was initially very strict, as they are, but it was relaxed, and on January 1st, 1995, Fred West asphyxiated himself in his cell by wrapping an improvised rope he had constructed from a blanket and tags he had stolen from prison laundry bags around his neck, then binding this device to a door handle and a window catchment and sticking to his knees. He then wrote a suicide note to Rose. She, at this point, was basically saying that she had nothing to do with it and that she was a bad wife and she was forced to do all of these things, which is why it's important to note that Charmaine was likely killed when Fred was in jail. So that, like, shows that she wasn't just, like, an unwilling person forced to do this. Yeah, Um, yeah. So she had refused to talk to him, she had refused to answer his letters, and she, like, publicly denounced him. Um, Yeah. And in his suicide letter, which is in the case file, um, if I remember to do one, he... (laughs) Oops, I didn't do one for the Lawson family last week. Anyways, the suicide note will be in there, if I remember. And he basically, he like talks to Rose, like, I'll see you in the afterlife. Like, Hmm. whatever, whatever, Fred West. Um, At her own pre-trial proceedings in February, Rose pleaded not guilty to 10 charges of murder because the murder of Charmaine West having been added to the original nine after Fred's suicide and two counts of rape and indecent assault of young girls having been dropped with a view for later resubmission. So she was just on 10 charges of murder. Though just. her counsel, yeah, though her counsel conceded that circumstantial evidence indicated Rose's willingness to subject young girls to sadistic physical and sexual abuse. Rose's lawyers argued that she was a battered wife and had no idea the extent to which Fred's sadism went. She was found guilty on all 10 charges and was sentenced to life in prison and to a full life sentence, which means that she it's like she has no set end date yeah so she could get out of prison tomorrow but it's more than likely that she will die of old age in prison right she continues to protest her innocence oh she was also imprisoned for a bit she's been moved around quite a bit but hmm. she was in the same prison as joanna dennehy from last season hmm. for a bit and it was rose west that joanna dennehy threatened her life and that's how she was moved from that one prison because they were afraid that she was going to be murdered by Joanna Dennehy. So fun. A little callback to a previous. Yeah, ad. you should listen to that one if you haven't. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there are vid- there is video of torture and ickiness. Um, so I think a lo- some of that was brought into this case and or yeah. into the trial. Sorry, and but yeah, Rose is in prison for probably ever now. Hmm. And that good. It, yes, very good. We love that. Yeah, that is the case of Rosemary and Fred West. Hmm. Mm. That's a crazy case. Yes. And the other women or girls. I suppose that they murdered they kind of lured them into their house yes correct yeah like they under some sort of pretense of like work if i remember correctly i think so yeah like a nanny they needed a nanny yeah yeah um and also Um, i didn't include it but um i guess there was rumors back then that um rose was also like engaging in prostitution and that her own dad would become one of her most common clients. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Also, though, Fred was doing icky shit before he met Rose. Yeah. And Rose was 15 when they met. Yeah. So, to call back to another episode when we <laughs> talked about why people sometimes murder in groups, we can probably safely say that um, Rose was groomed to murder. Yeah, there's like a power imbalance between a 15-year-old girl and a you know, 30-year-old a man. A ruined man, yes. But again, we don't know that for sure. We don't know what Rose would have become without meeting Fred. Of course. But we can almost safely say that there was some sort of like grooming happening in yeah. that situation. So I think especially because she took care of you said that she took care of the two girls well, at the beginning, yeah. At the beginning, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. She was and a good some childhood trauma there as well with her dad. Yeah. Yeah. He denies all of that, obviously, but course, that's not yeah. something that you're gonna be like, yeah, I totally rate my daughter. Yeah. Oopsie. Yeah. My bad. Oopsie poopsie. It's also wild that when John McLaughlin and Rena were leaving in his mini, that the police were there and Fred threatened to kill Rena if she ever came back. The police went like, hmm, maybe we should call social services and like see if these yeah. kids are safe. Yeah, yeah, that does seem really weird. Or just why... It, it's pretty rare even now for dads to like instantly get custody like that. Yeah. Um, so it would be even more rare in the 1960s or whatever, 1970s. So yeah, it does seem like a bizarre wonder what else happened. There's got to be more know. to that story. Yeah. I think. I wonder if Rena like left, like she just M- maybe, yeah, like didn't do anything like, I'm gonna say like the proper way. She just like yeah, called she her just boyfriend and was like, "I'm done." Like, it's also really hard to say McLaughlin without like whoing it. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> cool well, beans. Thank you for breaking. Thank my you, brain I guess. 
Yes. Yeah. That was an icky case. But it's yeah. quite well known. It it is, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Cool beans. Well, thanks, thanks for so tuning much. in. Yeah. Thanks, fam. Bye, bitches. <laughs> Do people say fam anymore? No. Am I aging myself? <laughs> yes. YOLO fam. Oh my god. Ruffle ruffle. Ruffle copter. <laughs> Bye! Bye! <laughs>